0: Thank you once again for tuning in to yet another episode of Talk So Real with Matt Sonzala, the podcast in which I just sit down and talk with my friends about all kinds of things. And today we got a great friend in the house, my man, Kiko Villamizar. Yes, that was right. the whitest version, that tried, but I tried. Oh. I did the best I could with that. I'm sorry. I know it can be an issue. I know. I tried.
1: You did that with the utmost respect. I tried. And man. it was good. Thank you. It was
2: good.
0: Good, 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 good. You know, I don't even think, you know, Polish people, I don't even know if we have any double L words. I'm not sure. No, oh, you're Polish. Part. I didn't even realize
1: that. Sunsala is a Spanish name, isn't it?
0: I mean, when or people... is it Polish? It's Polish, but when the people came over to Ellis Island and stuff, it was just people filling out cards like, oh, you say the name, and they write it down and say, here's your name. So who
1: knows what the real name was? Or do you know?
0: I've got a... Distant cousin, who before even all this 23ME stuff was happening, you know, all the DNA shit. Yeah, she was really into uh researching the ancestry. She is related to my grandfather's brother, like she comes from that family, of who I've never known any of them. Yeah. But through the magic of the internet, she found me and sent me a bunch of things where it was actually my S-O-N-Z-A-L-A, but it was spelled S O N C Z A. Lla, So I just contradicted myself. We have LL words, LL names. Yeah, but it's a different LL. Yeah, way different. Than Cool
1: J. Different,
0: way different. Man, so we were just talking about rap music and all these things. And what I like about you is you have always been super versatile with it, man. Like everything I've seen from you and, and the records you've done, you've always come with a different approach every time now you're doing comedy. And I want to talk to you about you know, some of your history with this, because you really bring a lot of flavor to Austin with your heritage and with your respect for the music that you do. And I've actually learned a lot from just, you know, being with you, running around with you and and uh, talking to you about music of Columbia. Right. Can you give me a little bit of reborn in Florida? I'm a Miami Colombian. Yeah. Yeah. OK.
1: <clears throat> I, I was d- raised in Columbia. I was taken there when I was in like kindergarten. Okay. I would always come back here and there two years and go back or something. So I'm super bi-cultural and lingual
0: um, because
1: I kind of have formative years in both places.
0: And so you uh, first discovered the music by going back and forth? Or was it something that was being played in your home? Or
1: Yeah, my, my family has been music for generations. Um, my uncles and grandfather and mother were all traditional serenade people. Mm-hmm. In the Colombian Andes, um, so uh, they played what people call uh, trio music. Mm-hmm. Like Los Panchos is the most prevalent, famous trio from the '50s and '60s uh, that did Mexican. They were Mexican, but they did uh, boleros, which is a Cuban rhythm, uh, and it was. It became like the most romantic thing in the 50s people had heard. Even the Beatles did a bolero here and there, uh, Nat King Cole and stuff. Um, but um, so bolero is one of the rhythms that people do for serenade music in Latin America. It's Mariachi and boleros are the two most prevalent things people do for that. And boleros are sung with by trios. My, so my family did that kind of tradition and Colombian folk music from the mountains in general. My grandfather was an opera singer. My mom was a singer that won prizes when she was a, a teenager. Um, and uh, yeah, my family's always um, used music as medicine on Sundays.
0: When you were in Colombia, were you more in the cities or were you in the mountains? Um, well, the in city
1: the that I'm from is in the mountains, but but um, my house was up the mountain from the city. So I, I lived in the country, but every day I went into the city to go to school or to do the things you do and then go back to, to the country. It was, I, was, I grew up on a farm, a coffee farm uh, mm. near, near the city.
0: Amazing, so when did you really set off on your own path musically?
1: Well, um, I was too lazy to learn an instrument when I was uh, real young. Uh, I had the inclination and I tried to take lessons, piano and guitar. But I was too lazy to commit to learning the instrument. Um, but I always sang. Mm-hmm. My first words ever were sung. I was I sang an Eastern Airlines commercial wow. as my first words, and um, and then I always it was my whole life has been I think just a giant Oedipus complex because my mom really liked singers and artists and painters and bohemian people of the sort mm-hmm. of of that sort, and uh, so I became that so that she'd like me, I guess you know, kind of subliminally, right. And uh, when I was, I remember I was probably four years old or five and I was in line for a ride in an amusement park and I was just thinking in my head uh, this, um, this note that a singer that she liked would sing. oh And I don't know what note, you know, I just remembered, can I do that? And I was in my head like practicing and then I, was, and then I did it out loud for a second. Oh, and I was like, I can do that. No, I told my mom, Hey mom, I can sing. And she laughed. Okay. You know, and then, but that, I took that as, Oh yeah. Like, so like, I'm still like trying to prove I can sing. I think that's how it started. But when I was 18, uh, well, my, my teenage years, um, my family, every Sunday we would get together and the kids would play soccer and hide and go seek and the adults would play music and drink liquor. And I did that Mm -hmm. with, with the adults ever since I was about 10. I would, um, or eight, I would uh, do the music and listen to them and study and sing. And, and, uh, and when I was about 10, I started, you know, having a shot here and there that they'd give me and, and be just that whole life, you know. And uh, so I did music traditionally, uh, just oral learning from my family until uh, I was eighteen, I graduated high school in Columbia, and I moved to Miami to study jazz because I didn't want to study classical music uh, for my voice lessons. And my principal instrument was voice. So my style was jazz, and it was music education was my major. I wanted to do musical theater because I was always a theater person, mm-hmm. but I changed my mind through in college and just did music education. But uh, but I minored in theater, and so I always was on stage and learning theater etiquette and history and what you do with your body on stage and all the things that um, artists struggle with at first um, with their movement and all the things
0: that you should know about performing. Yeah, it's not, it's not that simple.
1: No, especially now that I do comedy too. And um, the first two years of a comics career, you start um, open micing and, people don't know what to do with the mic mm-hmm. the dynamics of that and uh, with your body and how to speak publicly is a thing you know i mean
0: general. there's a rhythm to comedy
1: how to storytell right exactly
0: and uh, i always say bad comedy is worse than bad music
1: it's cringy it's hard it's man. really so when people are bad musicians you're like oh man you get it next time yep. but people hate you if you're a bad comic
0: Yeah, no, it's rough I mean, it can be real People are like, fuck that guy It's different (laughs) But that being said, I think that's almost deserved Because comedy looks really, really easy Looks like you should just be able to get up there And rock it out But it's not easy I find it, I've I've always
1: found it to be the hardest thing to do ever I'm 44 and I started doing it a year and a half ago Because I never thought I'd be funny enough I never thought I was smart enough Because to me Comics are the f- smartest of all the performers. Um, and if you th- look at it, there's no philosophers to today. The only t- two public thinkers for people really, I guess podcasts are doing that now, but traditionally in the performing arts, now be- there's no place people gather to philosophize in public, is the mic. Mm-hmm. Rappers and comics are the two today's philosophers that are pu- the public thinkers, speaking in regular Mm-hmm. not in a in an epilogue or a fucking thing that academics read or something but in, it just in regular that people like it used to be people f- at the philosopher's stone and, and people would gather and see what the thinkers are thinking right well, that's 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 the mic mm-hmm. whether you're I mean, even if you're not saying anything like mitch hedberg that's dadaism you know it's still a philosophy anyway yeah. it's, a, it's public thinking um, at its regular and highest degree at the same time, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, every rapper in the world doesn't have to be conscious. They don't always have to have a certain message and stuff. But in my opinion, what drove me to hip-hop culture and, the, and rap music in my youngest years was how direct it was and how, how what a direct line it was to the people. You know? It's just, and, just and people it talking really regular. Being able to make a real statement, and the artists that really did make a statement are the ones that have held true forever right you know I mean like I so I do sometimes get in that argument with people because there's also there's a lot of people who will say oh and you don't have to be you know, there's no rules I mean you can rap it's about hard. what you want to have fun it's make hard. your heart. but when it does get over the, the industry is what screws that I think where they really rely on one thing and don't give the people enough credit to think that they can digest the real messages
1: right Well, but they're, and they're also, you know, they got their bottom lines and the way that they're set up in the world and capitalism and how we all are have to be motivated by next quarter, how, like, if you're going to afford your thing for your family and shit. So uh, people, uh, I like what Frank Zappa said that uh, it used to be old fat guys with cigars that were like, I don't know, these kids fucking, they do this, fucking give them a shot. They were better than the young, reps that like know what's cool in their head Mm because they don't know what's cool and they think they do which is worse than than a fat old guy with a cigar you know just all right and then really crazy experimental music happened on a massive scale as a result of that risk that they would take because they didn't know what was cool you know
0: and i think the opposite was a lot of the kids grow up seeing and hearing a lot of the music that's sort of the same and they they are afraid to take that risk. They that feel formula. as though they have to do this formula and do what was, has already been done. And
1: it hasn't changed. Uh, if you ask me... Nee, nee, would you, like ever since the, uh, like a long time ago, the repetitive chorus and the thing, it's just a formula. You gotta, people have got to remember it. It's got to be relatable to them or simple enough that they can, they can repeat the chorus in their head. You know, mm-hmm. it, Rap music has been kind of really punk rock about that lately because there's no hooks. Uh, I kind of like that. It just goes straight into the. There's not even an intro. That's happening a lot, and it's like they cut the fat as far as that goes. And there's still, um, I don't know. Somebody took that risk, and it started to be that way. People are singing off beat on purpose, like uh, bl- blue, t- blue face or whatever the people it, You know what I mean? I don't think he does it anymore as much. But like you know, people. On purpose, or deconstructing. I think rap is the punk rock of now. Of like, like new rap that people criticize, mumble rap and trap and all this stuff is super punk rock because it's they're deconstructing the aesthetics, like Bob Dylan did, or deconstructive poets did a long time ago, or how this guy, the gay painter that did the tomato soups,
0: Andy Warhol, yeah, like him.
1: They're deconstructors of of what you just said Like people are making art in this package That's like uh, digestible to the masses But um, you know if the masses weren't uninteresting Then the interesting shit wouldn't be that interesting though So it just is what it is You're not going to make a lot of money With real punk rock th- theme things you know And I don't know if it should be that way. I I don't know how Kendrick Lamar put so many words in people's heads and people took it in, but they don't take it in as much as J. Cole or, or, you know what I mean, other people that is more digestible to them. You know what I mean? Even like, because to be honest, Kendrick, for example, is like listening to jazz. It's beautiful, but it's difficult for more than 30 minutes. You're like, holy shit, that's a lot of changes in my head. Whereas Baroque music just sinks into you and there's no thinking happening it's patterns that are already friendly to your brain
0: yeah i couldn't do the whole double album in one sitting it's 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 a, it's lot. a lot it's yeah.
1: a lot like it takes me a half an hour to digest one song like yeah. i to listen to the verses and really pay attention i used to really like that about rap when i when i was in the early 90s i only listened to rap. So I lived in a neighborhood where any kind of whiteness was weak and was weak and I would get jumped. i got stabbed for being, you know, not the way you are in that neighborhood, you know? And so I only could listen to rap and R&B at that time in my life. And I could only display that the way I walked. I practiced walking with a fucking spring in one foot so that you looked weird. You know what I mean? Just to be like, you always look ready kind of thing. And, and um, but in that time in my life, it's Great, because I gave myself to this music and and uh, I I just got really nerdy about it in a way that I only liked rap that made me go, what the fuck did he say? Like De La Soul and Q Tip and these abstract new school dudes. Um, I liked New Jack before that, and you know Pete Rock and all that kind of stuff. Tim Dog and. Uh, oh
0: yeah Tim I, Dog uh, reference But that's I was cool. always like
1: On the side of the east coast Of all the things I felt that they were Just more talented well, Were you talented. in
0: Miami? You came back to Miami I'm, I'm all, Yeah I'm, I was yeah. in
1: Orlando And in Columbia Okay uh, In South Carolina too And yeah uh, That's where I was Those three places uh, And uh, so east coast Was what was around me In Florida what, The people that lived Around me were New Yorkans mm-hmm. And Jamaicans And black people From the east coast uh, but But people were New Yorkers a lot so, like, just the culture around me, it was just hip-hop, R&B, and dance hall. Right. That's all that was around me, and it was all, yeah, when I like... I didn't like gangster rap from the West Coast and stuff because uh, to me it was just like too corny, like flow wise. So like, even I didn't even like Tupac back in the day because it was just like da 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 da, da on the beat and then that and then that. There's some songs where he he's got flow that's crazy that I've after I've inspected since. Mm-hmm. But what his what he said was so true and and righteous that you know that's a different thing. He's almost like a like a Bob Marley, with is a prophet to a religion or something, right? He, so, he and, and, and now I see a value that's different. But when I was a teenager, I was like, fuck that corny ass shit. Like I, I just liked, I liked like people's flow that were like Jamaicans, like KRS-One and Biggie, and like, you know what I mean? Just that flavor from the Caribbean. It's like another syncopation and, and percussiveness with your mouth and, and a weaving together of words that was like art to me that was like, man, this is, this is hood and beautiful as fuck too it's like all the colors in my in my mouth you know
0: how did so, you feel the first time you heard bone thugs and harmony
1: that changed my life because it was like oh wow that's cool because you also are a bad motherfucker but you don't have to sound like everybody else is sounding like they're from new york even though you're from atlanta or cleveland. whatever huh? cleveland yeah i know but yep. but no but yeah. i'm just saying like other people were sounding like new yorkers mm-hmm. no matter where they were in atlanta or whatever but 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 ohio didn't do that they just came out and 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 did their own version of everything the first people that did the six eight shit that later future made famous or whatever like that snoop dog clowns or whatever in that one video
0: well there's people on the west side of chicago that would argue with you about that but they're older than me even probably oh the, so they did it but- first I mean, it's, six, questionable. it's questionable. It's okay. questionable. But I mean, the groups like the Snipers and early stuff, Do or Die, and some of the guys that were coming out of the west side of Chicago. Well, they're the first people that put it
1: out to the masses, right. that 6'8". That
0: and that's what I wanted to say because I had a similar experience. Of course, when we were younger in the early days, we got Yo MTV raps and we got our, our hip hop from... Yeah. You, you were in Florida, my, so that was probably something. I got
1: my rap from Ed Lover and... Yep, and Dr. Dre, and the and East Dr. Coast Dr. Dr. Dre. That's original right. concept, The first Dr. Dre. Yeah, and... Back, uh, before Dr.
0: Dre... Um, put on spandex in videos, or around the time he was putting on <laughs> spandex, probably in that time, and we didn't hear that stuff. And that's what I was going to say is coming. He from... He looks good
1: in that purple leather, though. People shouldn't clown him. He's sexy in that shit. I have
0: my own thoughts about all those dudes, but <laughs> back in those days, it was you had to work to find what was happening in Memphis. You, if you want, you know, things were happening in Memphis that you yeah, weren't hearing. tape in the trunk. Yes, exactly. There was things happening in Chicago that you weren't hearing anywhere. You know, it was, it was like the regional rap was such an interesting thing because it very literally just like the Bronx sound came out of Bronx and Queens came out of Queens like Chicago came out of Chicago I was such a music snob that you know what
1: really pissed me off Mm -hmm. was what we call booty music in Florida you were in Florida I was in I know and it was it was like every dance in high school and everything that shit would come on and I'd be one of those mean mugging motherfuckers on the wall with my leg up like this fucking whack ass shit I was always mad at it like just oh there's no talent now Again, I have since there's a, taken a different mental approach to mm-hmm. all music in general, but that's how I was at the time. I was real radical about what's good music that way, you know.
0: And, I st- uh, I haven't totally been able to kick that. <laughs> it's I still uh, uh, yeah, I do see that in you, like a teenager. Fuck that! Whole, fuck this shit! Fuck that whole thing categorically. Well, that but you know when it's just to me what I don't like, and I feel like. We've talked about this on the podcast before, like the biorhythms of life. Things go up and down constantly. And music does as well. Like when it comes to, I think we're on a high at the moment. I think we went through a bit of a low. And what I, my complaint is when you're talking about being a real hip hop head and, you know, there's rules and you don't sound like somebody else, you don't bite somebody else's shit. But when you hear a whole line of songs where they say the exact same thing and they got the same kind of voice, and they rapping about the same thing again.
1: Yeah, it's like no story to it.
0: So when I hear something you know unique and original, I mean, I remember you mentioned J Cole. J Cole's gotten better, to be honest, in my opinion. But when that stuff it's was dope. first happening, I couldn't. That was an era where I was already starting to get annoyed with you know what was coming out. And I remember going to see Kendrick at Red Seven. There was maybe a hundred people there, hundred fifty people wow. at the most in the back. <laughs> he just and
1: came again. And filled up this Coliseum for $400 a pop or something.
0: I know. It's crazy. But I remember seeing him just totally regular, normal, you know, dude on stage, I think by himself with a DJ, just killed it. And I was like, you know, you could see it and feel it. Like there was something really about to happen Yeah, with him.
1: Yeah. Back in the day, I, I liked um, battle rappers, you know, like mm-hmm. people that can freestyle. That's how I judged a rapper. What do you got off the top? even the even the greatest rappers when you put them on a the mic and they and they don't really got freestyle and they just start to spit rittens or something like I don't want to name too many people but like rappers that I was like wow that guy and then I saw him try to freestyle and I was like oh man but 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 then there's I don't know even even now today there's some battles going on I want to start a battle in Austin
0: man well here's the thing first of all that everybody
1: was a- gives me all the obstacles when I say that
0: yeah, but well, that was a fun part of the culture. I mean, when when, when we were young, seeing that sort of thing was amazing. But I will say this: there was a battle scene happening for a minute here, and it's exactly what you're talking about. These were written; these guys would write their battles. No, they would totally write it, and it it comes through. They if all had the same exact flow.
1: They'll fall by their own weight, though. If you do that, you somebody's going to catch you. Mm-hmm. That's like a joke stealer. A joke stealer. Everything's documented now,
0: baby. You can't. No, Fake these it. things were all on the internet and everything. People were watching it. They had a whole culture around it. But I can't now, remember. but now there is so much even more
1: accountability than one year ago. That like you can could, you could come cheat if you want to or something like that, but you are gonna get caught by yourself two years later. It's gonna eat you inside. You be you be unfair to art if you want to, but it's not gonna be fair back to you then.
0: You know, well put that's, that's between you and your art. Well put. It is crazy that uh, we have, I mean, I basically have every album ever made in my pocket right now. And back then it was like, you'd be <laughs> right. hoping to get, waiting for your your little paycheck from the from the busboy job or whatever to get it, go buy a couple of tapes.
1: I just got the BMI one cent things for 13 CDs. Yeah, I did that that's too. What, that's, I did that like twice and they caught me and that's it. That's there all was, the CDs I ever had, really. I there was ways
0: around on. that. There was definitely ways, we figured yeah, yeah. out ways around that shit. Be a different
1: person each time.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Kids don't know nothing about that. Pulling that card out of the magazine, circling the numbers. Columbia House and BMI. Yep. Yeah. So speaking of, you said you listen to hip hop and you talked a little bit about what was, it was in your neighborhood. But like, being of the culture and in this world, was it cool at all to like? The music you came up around with your family, like Colombian music, and in- well, yeah, Tuesday. that
1: that was. I felt like that was something that was uh, protected in the hood because everybody's Puerto Rican there, and they got old Spanish speaking ladies in their families too. So the tradition I grew up singing with my grand with my family, uh, I wouldn't bust that out at a party in high school or anything like that. It's boring uh, to them, but um, but if they saw, but if they're at like. You know, if I'm if there if there's an event and old people wanted me to play that, that if anything that's kind of damn respect. dude. Like you love your family and you know what I mean. It's a little bit salsa was cool to listen to. I did mm. that. I danced salsa my whole life. Columbia's dance a fucking insurance commercial. Anything. Um. So, so salsa was always cool. That's Puerto Rican as hell. So like you know things that are relevant to cult, to the culture of the area. Was fine, but if I listen to fucking Pearl Jam or some shit, I'm gonna get my ass beat. Ain't you know I mean? in that name. He probably should. And people that <laughs> listen to Pearl, I don't want to talk too much shit. They're 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 doing a little comeback, but yeah, I, I fucking. <laughs> the, the, the You know what? Pearl Jam is Jesus to me because I fucking dislike Jesus. I just fucking dislike how everybody around Jesus behaves. You feel me? Same thing with Eddie Vedder. Fine. One guy sounds like he's gargling in the morning when he sings, but for a fucking twenty years after that, every motherfucker tried to sound like that, and Kurt Cobain mixed together, and Jesus Christ already, Jesus fucking Christ already. Write your own freestyle.
0: Exactly. You know, I that's was. That's all. Because I listened to hip hop and punk rock, and I listened, I was up on the lot of the Seattle stuff before Pearl Jam, and I was Man. just aghast. I couldn't believe that this was the band that actually, besides Nirvana, of course, but like Pearl Jam came out of nowhere. I know a couple of the guys were in the Mother Love Bone or whatever, but when they just blew up out of the water, and that voice, I'd never been able to listen to the Pearl Jam. So, so, you know their intention was to do
1: the Grateful Dead thing. That was their intention. That's why they called Pearl Jam because they wanted to be like the, the the epic jam band that everybody followed and lived in parking lots with but they're like a fake version of that in my head uh, or something because they're just a stadium rock band that people pump their fists to, really. They're, it didn't become that. But they're more successful than me in music, so talking shit about them is kind of, like, <laughs> unnecessary. But, but, man, they started a fucking awful trend of people all singing like that. It sucked. It's, it sucked that music took that turn for so long. The Stone Temple Pilot, Pearl Jam, Nirvana Voice. Mm, mm. Nobody talks like this. Nobody in life. No. Only the old guy and the water boy. That's it. And fucking Eddie Vedder.
0: I have no idea what Eddie Vedder talks like, to be honest. I've only heard He sounds signs. regular. He
1: doesn't even... I hate it when people don't sing the way they talk. That's That's... If you're if you're Eminem, I believe you. You grew up like that in Detroit. I I I, I believe him. If you some people, you know what I mean. It, it looks out of place, but I believe him. But like that's what's wrong with Iggy Azalea. You're from Australia, bitch. Don't fucking act like you're from New Orleans with your voice. That's super inauthentic, and that's not for rap music. People aren't gonna like that in the long run. They did, but as soon as they didn't, they really didn't.
0: Well, I took um. My she had some big song. I don't even remember what it was, but my daughters were ten, nine, yeah. what, around that time, and she liked one of their songs. And yeah. it's gonna work for but a while. Iggy Azale- especially well, with listen, kids. Iggy Azalea played ACL Fest, and so we had to take her over to the stage to see Iggy Azalea. Well, she couldn't really see the stage, right? Because there were so many people, and she was a little girl. Right. And she's like, "Who is that?" She's like. Man, they do. A, this is a little little kid saying this. They do a lot to her voice to make it sound some like they do on the record because that does not sound anything like her.
1: Oh, so I she didn't cut, even know about her voice stuff. Uh, but it's just that her accent isn't hers. Same thing with Eric Clapton or some. But it's like, man, you can be a great musician or whatever, but just be yourself. If you are a nerdy white guy, rap like that. Just bring bars, but be yourself a lot. In any art, all the time, that's what's at stake is if it's real or not to people. Talk so real,
0: exactly, and that's what we're doing. And that that was a big beef of mine when I was young and didn't understand certain things. It was the white blues artists who took made their voice like that, and then the, the problem Rolling is Stones.
1: A- Everybody's like, "The Rolling Stones. dude, they're just black facing their asses off with their voice." This guy with his voice, and it's not it's not cute in for me. Like art, art. Art-wise, it's not interesting. Everybody should do what they want. It's artists for everybody to just do what they want. It's medicine for them and stuff. And for a lot of people, uh, that guy dancing around like a rooster is medicine. I don't. I, you know, they should have that world. It's uninteresting to me because I see the the fakeness. You know what I mean? Because he don't talk like this. The way he sings, he's like, yeah. So I'm gonna go sing like a Negro. You know what I mean? That's not. That's not um, real. <laughs> so it's not well, good what art. What bothered
0: me more than an artist That's making the, this art, however they do, is, was there was a lot of people from a generation before, especially, and it's not like it's not happening now, but it would drive me crazy when the white blues fans really only listened to the white blues. They didn't actually dig into, like, some of the most incredible music, the realest American music, is the blues from Mississippi, the real down-home beginnings of it is some of the most incredible music ever made the, some the of the most incredible guitar playing. stuff
1: yeah uh, Freddie King is an electric Chicago or uh, Dallas dude but like that that's with you know with the whole new format but it's I mean his voice and then people that imitate that just, what a difference mm-hmm. what a you can you can listen to jam bands that play black people's funk or you can listen to the Ohio players. They already did that shit really well. And they jam for hours without it being too long somehow. You know what I mean? It's a re- There's like real and there's fake. One, a roadie a long time ago <clears throat> told me he was a, he was too on meth to be a professional musician, <laughs> but he was good enough to be a roadie, you know, with his life, uh, his stability and stuff. And he was a really wise old musician. He, he recorded I Am the Walrus in Spanish. He didn't even speak Spanish. He's a redneck dude, and he's like, Yo soy la morsa. Anyway, but he he said, I, I said, Hey man, what kind of music do you like? Do you listen to? And he was like, There's only three kinds of music, Kiko. There's good music and bad music and great music. And I went away with that, like a like an old kung fu master or something had told me, you know, just to think about it, what does that mean? And to me, I've, I've translated it like this there's fake music real music and then there's you know cosmic orgasmic music those are the three kinds in any genre and the, the what makes it good or bad to me is if I believe you you know even if it's fiction but I gotta believe your sentiment you feel me?
0: exactly that, that's what's at stake I mean that's the most important thing to me I can't I can turn some shit off quick yeah. like I I, just, I don't believe it I don't feel it it's not there
1: in, but, same with country music or bluegrass or Mongolian tube and throat singing or Colombian music or but especially rap. <laughs> you be a fake rapper? That's the stupidest thing to do ever.
0: It's the worst because it's too obvious. But I mean, shit, that's a it's a tragedy how horrible country music has become. And, and a long time ago, it became quite horrible. But because the real real deal. It can it's, be
1: amazing It's underground It's still there It's only it for the few That give a fuck No it exists it's, a, it's only for a few That give a fuck And what's on the radio From Nashville Is what's on the radio From Nashville For the people That aren't listening Which is most people Yep You know a lot of people What kind of music Do you like? Everything That means mm-hmm. they don't Listen to anything Generally but not, They might hear it It's all over you, It's weird to tell somebody I don't like music Because A lot of people don't They really don't Like music it doesn't do anything for them except be in the way and loud.
0: Or just kind of there.
1: Right. But but they can't accept that the same way people can't contend with having an ego. It's like, I just put it away. I don't want to have one. But you have one. And if you don't deal with it, then, it's we- then it gets weird. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with people that don't, can't, don't even realize that they don't like music. Because they can't say that to people. People are going
0: to go, what the fuck is the matter with you?
1: That's a weird thing to tell people.
0: Well, I had to realize a long time ago that a lot of people don't have as much time as I do to really care that much, you know, about this. I mean, I under, I have to understand that to an extent, but I do know what you mean. Yeah, but that. there's different
1: brains. You know, some people yep. really like math that way, and that's their music. me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not bad, but that's why they can't tell people is because they think it's bad. So they can't accept that they don't like music, and they're like, you know, I don't mind whatever music you like.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how they... Or they're told; they're just told what to listen to, and they, they just go with it.
1: Or then they they'll take pick a song that relates lyrically to what they're feel to their breakup or something like that, maybe. But a lot of people aren't listening. I've I, I when I've you know I've played music for twenty eight years now mm-hmm. uh, for a living, and um, at times in my life when I've haven't had a gig that day, I would do um, you know street performing in the different ways. Depends where I'm at. In LA, I did it in front of the Chinese Man Theater. It's the best stop, best spot. In New York, you do it on the train, moving train. Not not on the platform, sitting down so people can walk by and give you change. You make $30 all day that way. Mm-hmm. But if you get on the train, you have a captive audience. They're sitting there doing nothing. You do three songs and you move to the next cart. And, for, and then you go around to everybody and make them accountable for the tip and they're not even thinking about it and they tip you. So that makes a lot more money. And you make a couple hundred dollars For four hours or whatever When you do it that way Uh, Here in Texas There in a subway But the captive people are at taco places And it's a place where it's normal That a musician comes in and they let you work Because Mexican people just kind of like Shake your hand and let you work if you're working You can sell food at a Mexican food place And if they're like Well you're not stealing You're not being a shithead Come in and sell your tacos In my taco place You can do that because I don't know, there's a like solidarity of working thing in the in the culture. Same thing in Colombia. In Colombia, I grew up playing on the buses and in the restaurants um, for for money, you know, for change. And t- t- you'd play at the restaurants, and on the way to the restaurant, you'd play on the bus to get to the restaurant, and you make money like the whole time, you know. But um, so here, I, I looked, and I was, so my friend in San Antonio that did it with me for the first time in Texas. He coined it the Taco Tour. So mm-hmm. so, I did, so I did a taco tour, and the point of all of this was to tell you that when I, when I street perform that way, I'm in a taco place, I see out of 10 babies, two of them are engaged with the music, engaged where they're, they're stopping their whole family, and the family's freaking out, they're like, oh my God, look at, look at how they're reacting. They've never seen that baby interact with music before. And that baby from the beginning of their life, there's something that connects them so deep to somebody playing some music. And those are the musicians. And those are the people that listen to, to music. You know, they're even even as listeners, they're musicians because of how they understand music anyway. You know, and So eight people <laughs> out of those 10 babies, I don't really give a fuck about music. So those are the people buying all the shit. Because and they're going to the thing because everybody's going to that thing. That's how people go to the thing. It doesn't even matter what the sound is to people a lot. It, but they'll say it does and you know, oh I like this or you know. But very few of us are listening.
0: It's true. And I think my curse is the opposite because I don't I lose interest when everybody starts going to it, I think, and that's that's not also maybe not so great. But I'm always constantly looking for something new, something that I haven't heard yet, which is always important to me. Now, you said you've been playing music for, you said, 28 years? Yeah.
1: A whole Saturn's return, baby.
0: Exactly. Man, you've taken it all over the world. Yeah. I mean, and how is it being based here in Austin? Like, I actually see, you know, with Pellegrosa, with you guys. How I mean, was now? Being based here in Austin, uh-huh. like, In hip-hop, we can go back to that. There's always the complaint. They're always like, this is not the best city for it. That being said, there's a big scene, and there's a lot of places where you can perform. You don't necessarily hear about, you know, in the... Things are changing now for the better, I think, but historically, you don't hear about, like, Latin music that's come out of Austin, but when you really look back, there's been so much. There has. So much great stuff, and so it's like you existing here. How does that feel? I mean, well...
1: Um, I'm not from anywhere at this point, mm-hmm. you know? Um, uh, everywhere I go I'm weird. Um not just like Selena's dad in that one scene. We're more Mexicans than the Mexican and we have to be more white than the white. It's not just that. I'm really like in Colombia I'm a gringo and here I'm Colombian as fuck. And you know, um and uh in English I'm all of you. Combined. Because my first language is Spanish. My mom's accent. At my In Spanish, you could tell exactly what mountain I'm from. Mm-hmm. In English, I'm a New Yorker, South Carolinian, Floridian Texan. This Chicano kind of now. This is where I live. I'm Puerto Rican if I'm in Boston. You know what I mean? So, um I don't feel more out of place here than anywhere else. Uh, and I'm going to be a flower anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna fucking because I'm good at what I do. Anywhere, it doesn't matter where. If it the the weirder it is, the better. If blue if you play bluegrass in Colombia, you will make people go wild. They won't see that shit there. Mm-hmm. In Tennessee, it's just those assholes again on the corner, right? But in Colombia, that would be the shit. I play Geita in Germany, and people were like, "Holy shit, gaita is a flute." Uh, that is native in Colombia that they joined with the African drums to make cumbia, among other rhythms, before the accordion. Anyway, but the more people haven't seen it, the more out of place it is, better. If I want to play music at a restaurant, I don't go to a restaurant that already has music being played at it. Fuck that. They already have bad habits from musicians that gave them the work too cheap. I go to a new place and I said, you know what you need here at this really great place? Me on Thursdays. I don't do restaurant gigs anymore very much. But that's what that was my strategy. Go to a virgin territory. Because they're like, okay, well, how do you do it? And then you tell them how. (laughs) Exactly. You tell them how. So I wanted to play cumbia festivals or world music festivals in the world. And nobody's knocking down my door. Nobody gives a fuck. I don't have enough followers on Instagram. So I started my own festival around the world that does that music. And that's, um, wherever I am, I learned autonomy. I'm a, you know, growing up uh, Colombian and just having to hustle um, positive things after learning from my elders not to hustle negative things. So um, I just just have to invent it wherever I go. There is a history of Latino music here, but there's a history of Tejano music that's long.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And... Really, it was the Fantasma guys that brought the first different Latino thing in a in a way that, that people were like, hey, you know, the, uh, the way I've heard them describe it is like, you know, back in where when I lived in Laredo, I was fucking all the time with Tejano. I was fucking so sick of it. I wanted to uh, play Iron Maiden or whatever. Right. And so they come to the city, but then they're like, you know, everybody's already doing. Uh, you know, alternative things. It's like, man, we could take these Latin things and put electric guitars on it. We don't play accordions, right? Mm-hmm. And and just kind of do our own rock and roll version of Latin music, right? And so th- there wasn't a space for that. There still isn't. There's not, what's what's a cumbia place here? Mm-hmm. You tell me.
0: I don't know, there's no.
1: There isn't anything like that. I was thinking of starting one. Uh, not necessarily just cumbia, but a Latino place like mm-hmm. that's not just just uh, Tejano, right? Or, which is not just like there's is isn't a Tejano place anymore. Carnival? Where are the Tejano places?
0: Uh, there used to be
1: all of Sixth Street, and now all of those places are like hipster places.
0: Well, I mean, Carnaval is still on Riverside. I haven't been that's there not in many Tejano years. I haven't all. been there in many years.
1: Tejano, but Carnaval is a interior Mexican pointy boot. Okay. Norteño stuff and and interior Mexican stuff. There's not a place with Tejano Tardeadas or anything like that anymore. There used, used to be, be.
0: There's a new place. It's a new name where Tejano Ranch was on North Lamar. Okay. I mean, I mean I'm sure there's name. something, yeah.
1: but but it's not like. But that's the history there is, and mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm not Tejano, so it's not that like I don't like Tejano. I just played a gig with Ruben Ramos at Antone's to raise money for Uvalde. We did a group with Ruben Ramos, Susan Torres, who's a brilliant accordion conjunto player. Mm. And, uh, and my bass player, Greg, and, uh, uh, just a, what do you call it? a, a weekend warrior guy I called to play the drums. He's, he's badass, His name is Joe McQuery. We, we set up a, a completely more Texas, Show to raise money for Uvalde, because it was Austin con Uvalde was the theme, and it was it was all about making it about that community, so did the songs that they l- listened to you know because i uh, I think it's beautiful it's just that I shouldn't be the person representing Tejano things,, mm-hmm. so I do what people want me to do because it's more authentic to see me do Colombian music and another reason I chose that is because I wasn't even trying to do that. I was a jazz singer in college and I liked crooning and like being cheesy on stage. And, and I want to dance, you know, I'm different. But um, when I came to Texas, I was in San Antonio and I was teaching at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center and they had an event for the battered women's shelter and I they brought a cumbia band, a Tejano cumbia band and I observed Mexicans dancing in a counterclockwise, intergenerational, almost round dance, like a northern Native American tribe. And I realized that this kind of music that comes from where I come from, so people see me more as authentic doing it, was a really good organizing tool. Rather than a lot of words about, you know, we can't ever agree on fucking universal basic income or something that makes a lot of sense, but we can... We all know how to throw our asses to a cumbia at the same time, so that's why I do that that, that music. And people see it as authentic because I'm Colombian as fuck, and I know folk, Colombian folk music very, very well. So, and ever since I started doing that, I started to study that tradition particularly a lot. So, so, but, but, um, but man, I, I'm try, I'm trying to switch things up, like, not just by doing comedy, stand up comedy, but, um. I'm I'm writing this whole R and B album <laughs> right now in English.
0: Well I wanna know about that, but I wanna comment on something you said about the group of Phantasma Guys and you said growing up in Laredo, surrounded by Tejano music, I wanna listen to Iron Maiden, but like I don't know I'm sure you know, but like Adrian is a hell of a beat maker. Incredible oh, hip hop producer oh as well. Yeah, well, I'm, I was speaking I'm about for that Beto, of- Beto Martinez, right, who's right. all about the
1: metal in, in his teenage years. Moment. Right.
0: Well, I'm saying like the the you know the but
1: they all had different influences and Adriano was always uh, into hip hop and soul and Chicano
0: soul mm-hmm. and yeah.
1: He's he's a crazy musicologist in general about a lot of things.
0: One of the coolest things happening here for sure, for many years. Yeah, that's that dude. What was your first band?
1: My first band, I was in Columbia. Um, I had had a, a car accident when I was 16. And my my life switched musically because it was crazy. Uh, um, I, f- I had moved. It was in South Carolina this happened. I was 16. And I had a little sister that died. She was 11 months old. I broke both my legs. I had to learn mm. how to walk again. It was crazy. And um, the only person... That kind of took care of me was this little white girl that, that was in my health class in high school that I was kind of mean to because she was so dorky and white, and um, and she sat next to me all summer in the hospital, and it changed my perspective. So maybe white people aren't so bad. And she listened to just like Simon and Garfunkel and shit and like Peter Paul and Mary, so I started to opening opening up to other kinds of music that wasn't just black and brown music and uh, so it's it took me in in a lot of different directions uh what was your question there because i'm ridiculously
0: what was your first band
1: yeah yeah so so by the time that 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 happened and i had my accident and it just changed how i started to be and i started to hippify my look and stuff and i realized i was just shooting for my own ancestral thing because Colombian Indians are just uh, what hippies imitate. Like, I, we've had purses, long hair, and chonklas for 20,000 years, not since the 60s. And so, so I just started to go more, like, just felt more that way than like wearing Timberlands anymore. And I just started to be a different, and then I was ostracized a lot in that high school. But when I lived in South Carolina, it wasn't that urban environment in Orlando where it was like I was getting stabbed and shit. It was just like country folk that was a different vibe. They were all gospel singers in my choir and stuff, and where I learned how to sing the most, I think, was there because of that. But um, but anyway, that that accident happened in South Carolina, and then when, when that happened, we moved home to Columbia, mm-hmm. and my first band happened in Columbia. Uh, when you say band, because it's with instruments, but bef- mm-hmm. but the first iteration of me performing with people was an R and B group. In in Orlando, um, I used to we used to be in a bathroom singing Joe and shit because there's good acoustics in there. <laughs> yeah, that's... and like guy, um, and stuff like that. That was my first my first ever performance with a guitar was a Babyface song. When can I see you again? When can I see you again? You know that song? Wow! And so that was the first thing I did when I lived in Colombia, South America. Not Columbia, South Carolina, mm-hmm. people there were all into like Spanish rock and Nirvana and you know the shit that's happening in, in that way where I was on the mountain. And then hip hop was beginning there. This is the first time people were like more being aware of rap music at that time, like not early 90s, you know, 93 or something, like that. 94. So, I, um, so my first. Like band with instruments like that, um, we were doing like Spanish rock music. Okay, playing at girls' high schools. Um, And um, (laughs) but but yeah, the the first thing I ever did was sing R and B. Sing R and B. We would practice do up songs too for our choir and shit like that. Mm -hmm. Just harmonize and craft the singing, and I would sit at home and sing runs all day. Like I would sit and listen to Tony Terry, when I'm with you, I can, I can do it, I can do it, and this was practice all day. It's what I did in my head. It's a crafted singing, like it's so. It's so beautiful what what black folks did in this country with that because in South America, Spanish people are just Northern Africans that like drums and shit. So they're like, play for me, slave, dance for me, slave. Play the drums. They didn't take the drums away. In Peru they did, so they made that box. It looks like they are just sitting on a box. But, but in Colombia, or Cuba, so they're like, play for me. You know, play your drums. So they didn't take the drums away, so people still use it as a telephone from one community to another in some places in Colombia, right? But here, the English people were like, this satanic drum thing, you must get rid of it. And, then so, and so people developed the field hollers and the spirituals and the, and the, the singing as the, percu- as the instrument that you're crafting In a different way That's why black folks from here sing different than anywhere else And if they're starting to everywhere else It's because they're imitating people from here <laughs> You know what I mean Black people in Colombia traditionally would be like mm-hmm. There's no vibrato There's no run It's straight, it's powerful But it's straight percussion mm-hmm. Even in their mouth You feel me even the w- lyrics aren't words. That's just an onomatopoeia of how drums sound, right? But in English, I mean, you can't just sing. You got to sing, right? You have to. Because there's no other thing that they left you craft. Just, they just did it with their brains. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's amazing. It's, it's so beautiful. And when I lived in South Carolina and sat next to 40 gospel singers in my choir, I was like, oh, you can't, you don't have to just be cute and sing on key. You can sing loud and have dynamics and a whole other level of singing. Gospel music is the heavyweights of music. And so that's where I learned how to sing, really.
0: And the backbone of everything. Were you, uh, was this before the jazz training?
1: Yeah, jazz started oh, this in college. Is in
0: college, okay. But you were actually singing in gospel choirs, and well, I was singing in, the in my South. high
1: school choir. But okay. everything we did in my high school choir was a, was a gospel arrangement of everything, mm-hmm. uh, and and gospel songs like the Potter's House shit, like Mahalia Jackson songs, and uh, even a Simon and Garfunkel song. We did uh, the fucking gospel arrangement of Bridge Over Troubled Water. It's crazy beautiful. Um, so yeah, if not the choir, be bored. They like loved it like a sport. To them, you know what I mean. They grew up doing that. They played the instruments. It was like just, it's like uh, they they grew up like that. The way I grew up with Colombian music, you know. So it's just crazy. And and people in that part of the world, because of church or whatever, I guess, can sing. Man, karaoke. The karaoke circuit is. You make money if you're good. You you people live off of it. They win five hundred dollars today. They go to Charlotte, win five hundred dollars tomorrow. Like like a pool shark cuz people can sing, but it's competitive dude people i i was the worst singer in the whole choir
0: that's crazy what city were you in columbia south oh, carolina oh columbia south carolina i was in
1: hopkins which is a, a rural little suburb of columbia
0: well i mean as you know that's south carolina's where a lot of the entry point for a lot of the slaves Charlotte came was the in first here. port Char- and uh, charleston i'm sorry it was charleston, the first port and when the uh, when you go there, like you go to New Orleans, and you think you're hearing, you're hearing a, a different accent, you get when you really get deep into Charleston, the Geechee culture and languages. No, incredible. it's different. It's, it's different totally when you different.
1: walk down the street. That's a different street than. <laughs> yeah. You 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 have strawberry ice cream. It's a, and 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 you go there, and white people and black people have the same accent too in a lot of places. It's just regional, you know. It's it's amazing. One guy was telling me for two weeks, "Merry Krill. I said, what did he say to me? "Merry Krill. He was telling me Merry Christmas for two weeks. And I was like, I don't know what he's saying when he says goodbye to me, but language changes everywhere you go so much. It's beautiful. There's no reason. There's no correct thing. When every, when a whole culture is doing a thing, it is that, you know, I mean, I'm just reiterating, I guess, um, Popular use.
0: <laughs> no, I love that because I I got to learn. I think I my eyes got opened a lot when when I worked with Murder Dog Magazine. We did a double CD compilation of South Carolina rappers that most people had never heard of. And Yo, I my got favorite to go South Carolina everywhere.
1: rapper is Blind Fury.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that motherfucker is two M and M's. I amazing. like Mr. Piazza, but oh, uh,
1: Mr. Piazza.
0: He was a uh, Charleston, but he had a great song called "Fuck the Police," and uh. Yeah. But he was, a. Uh, I mean, going through there, I got to really go from the city hoods to the country hoods to the trailers to everywhere. I took pictures. of In Columbia, I was in a park with 50 rappers, oh. and the police came and tried to shut us down, I had to negotiate with them to get away because nobody was doing anything. They were what, just waiting to get their picture taken.
1: Which, is, which one is the best Fuck the Police
0: song? <clears throat> I mean, it's not better than N.W.A. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm asking
1: in the world to you, which one is the best Fuck the Police song?
0: I mean, for my, I can't, I can't disrespect uh, N.W.A.'s "Fuck the Police." I, I mean, mean, that meant a lot to me. It's probably <laughs> the know. most iconic. That's it's the, the iconic. Yeah,
1: a, I, I, I really enjoy X-Clans,
0: FTP. Yeah, uh,
1: I like their flow.
0: X-Clan is very underrated. Yeah, they changed the game too.
1: To the east, my brother.
0: That was the the shit. the east. But South Carolina really changed my, uh, I had no idea. I mean, a lot of people don't know there's rap there. There's a, there's music everywhere.
2: Yeah. It
1: comes yeah. from. I remember going to a dance and there was a there was a freestyle uh, competition on the mic at the dance mm. and nobody knew who I was. It was like my first week at that school. And I got on the mic and I did some dance hall in Spanish. And people had never heard anything like that. People were like, it just, what people were like, ah, like they expected me to be corny as hell. Uh, They were like, what is this? What kind of Mexican are you? Because I was the only brown person in the whole state at that time of the world. Mm -hmm. There wasn't nobody else in this. There was one other kid that was kind of a Puerto Rican brown kid that didn't speak Spanish. He ended up in prison like a motherfucker. He shot somebody. But I was the only other. Latino in the whole school. Everybody's black. There's like seven white kids that got picked on a lot.
0: Damn. Yeah. Columbia, South Carolina.
1: Columbia, South Carolina is a chocolate town.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina. West
1: Columbia is where you get away from that.
0: Is it? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't when I was there. I was in Abbeville. I was in Greenwood, Greenville. Yeah. All the Greenville tooltakes.
1: is a Colombian community there. There's like seven Colombian restaurants in Greenville South. Really?
0: Carolina. Yeah, I didn't see that when I was there. It's it's a thing. I was literally in the backwoods for the most part, and it was amazing.
1: It's Greenville. They have the Appalachian accent already,
0: and some of the nicest people. Uh-huh. Literally, like when I was there, everybody just opened. I was just, they didn't know me. I came with my camera and a rental car and with a little tape recorder. What
1: rappers from Greenville?
0: Native Woods might have been from Greenwood but I think Greenville. Native Woods were dope how much
1: energy have you given to hip hop a lot if you had to like <laughs> I don't know how you measure that but
0: <laughs> not so much lately
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean but you've accumulated so much energy you've given to it I mean <clears throat> you live for it instead of live off of it yeah so that's a good way to be
0: or <laughs> Might need to balance it a little bit, but uh,
1: it'd be better if you were able to. But you've always had the heart that you live for it. Mm-hmm. There's people that live for a tradition. There's people that like you know suck out of it.
0: It's true. Many. Yeah. I uh, love music though, and I live for the new experiences and being able to go to Europe with you, and uh, Los gateros de San Jacinto. Yeah, and what was a. Uh, Ruida.
1: La Rueda de Madrid. Yeah. And Trapiche de Colomboy.
0: Yes. So,
1: yeah, uh, I guess we should tell people, Um so I do a Colombian music festival I mentioned earlier called mm-hmm. the Wepa Cumbia Roots Festival. I am not excited to do that again soon. I think I'm going to give that a rest. But I was doing it's one. a lot. I, I did one for four years. So, um, and it's you know, the idea was to give a platform to tradition to elders and kids that, that play it. And um, it was the idea was for it to become also a fundraiser for my cultural arts program in town, which is a Casa de la Cultura. so a non-profit that I, that I was trying to do. And um, I just got too much shit on my plate. And I want to do what I do well. And mm-hmm. I'm... Really busy writing comedy and performing comedy most nights of the week, and doing selective good gigs with music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done bands for twenty eight years. I'm pretty pretty tired of the overhead and 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 herding cats around the world, which you know, so. It's been very stress free and almost like a new girlfriend or something to do comedy. I'm out of my element. It's uh, you can bomb in a whole other level, but Matt, I've been through real bombs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't give a fuck about bombing in front of people from Connecticut while in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Comedy clubs don't scare me. Uh, I'm not Bernie Mac, but I ain't scared. You know, and it's at this point I ain't scared. And I'm having a great time doing that. So, but I, but I'm still playing music. Um, but because well, because I haven't given a fuck lately, I've been telling people a high price for my band, like a high price. And people and some people are saying yes. So I'm doing some gigs gigs that like really make sense to do. Uh, but I'm doing a lot more comedy now.
0: I mean, it shouldn't be so hard to do a festival. And and the Herding cats is a really great analogy because it's true. But It is, uh, people have no idea how much goes into just putting something like that on.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The reason I was saying that is because we took that festival uh, to Berlin and Austria and Spain.
0: Madrid, Barcelona. Yeah.
1: And to Colombia. And and as you uh, tour managed, uh, 28 Colombians around Europe. Uh, And uh, your stress, my stress... It's crazy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but it was, man, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful. It was epic
1: and it was important to do. The gaitas, the flutes that I mentioned earlier, are what the accordion imitates Mm -hmm. in Cumbia today. And that tour brought together the accordion and the gaita for the first time in a long time. Because we had Gaiteros de San Jacinto, like you said, which are the first ever gaita group to perform in front of people as that format. In the in 1940, they were formed. And it's a generational band that you know people inherit. And then one of the guys that was in that band was Andres Landero. He was 16 when they were offered a tour of Europe and he wasn't able to go. So he stayed behind in Colombia. He wasn't able to go because his mom wouldn't give him permission. She said he would leave for two days and not come back just in the next town. So if he left to Europe, he was never gonna come back. And she was right, because the band didn't come back for three years. But he just went to the mountain and learned accordion, like the flutes. And he made the popular cumbia style that people know today. His grandson was playing with us the same songs his grandpa played that made that cumbia. Um, So we brought Landero and Gaitero de San Jacinto together again. After they separated in 1956 to do, uh, so that they could go do that tour. And the accordion and the gaita hadn't really been together since. So, what we did was, um, is, it was an historical thing for that music, you know what I mean? For that tradition that starts in the 1600s, really. Not with the accordion, but with the flutes. Thanks.
0: And the reaction in every city was incredible.
1: People love anything good anywhere. If you're good, it doesn't matter what language it's in or what kind of anything it is. Mm-hmm. If if you walk by a dude putting a shoe horse, uh, a horseshoe on a, a horse, but he knows how to do the shit out of that, you'll stop and watch him do it. Not because you care about sh- horseshoes, because he knows what the fuck he's doing. That's good anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? New York, Alabama.
0: I love seeing uh <clears throat> just, you know, the first night in Berlin at Yam, which is really one of my favorite venues in the world. That was literally. incredible.
1: How many people you think were in that club?
0: Twelve hundred? Twelve hundred. Thousand. Whatever it whatever it holds, it was pretty packed. It was something like that.
1: It was not it was over a thousand people. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: And and YAM. For people that don't know, is an enormous complex of African and Jamaican restaurants. own I don't know who owns it, but it's like a whole reggae uh discotheque in Berlin. And it has a it's a complex where outside in the daytime they have a like a kind of almost like an island bar. Well, they have a
0: sandy beach. Like yeah. They put sand on the side of the Rhine River. I believe it's the Rhine. Yeah, I don't, it might not be the Rhine actually, that, but, but along alongside the river. Yeah, and then that's where you go some- buy weed, everybody.
1: And <laughs> yeah. when, you know, when you're in Berlin and you're all fucking frustrated from the airport juice, you fucking go to Yam and you eat some African food and you buy little dime bags from them and shit, man. It's a great spot.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's
1: an amazing venue.
0: I try to go there anytime I'm in that area. Well, what is next for you? You said you're more focused on comedy, but you're also making an R&B album and... I'm 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 Reasons. recording
1: two albums right now. I'm I'm still doing a cumbia album that I've written, uh, with the with the band. But then I have this uh, thing where I want to play piano and guitar by myself and do an R and B th- this situation that I've been working on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, love has gone and passed, and other loves have co- are coming. <laughs> so I got to write songs about that because uh, that gets out the sad, and then the funny gets out the other side. So that's good. But, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm recording those two things, but I'm also doing a, a comedy, a variety show where I play a little music in the beginning, but it's stand-up, you know, mm-hmm. mostly. And I'm doing that show regularly in Buda on the first Fridays of uh, of every month. September 2nd is the next one at the Inspired Minds Art Theater.
0: And that goes well in Buta. Yeah. Dope.
1: It's great. Anything I do. One time I did a completely acoustic show, just me singing the songs my mom liked, and it was packed. And it was amazing. It's a little theater. It seats 100 people. And so you make good money, and you have a control of the situation. And They're really good people. It's a, it's a, they took the old city hall chambers mm-hmm. and made it uh, into the theater, so it's really pretty inside. Uh, it's got like these high ceilings that are like a dome, you know, and uh, so, since it's in there, I call it, I'm going to call the show the Chamber of Comics.
0: Okay. Yeah. Dope. Would you do music in English and comedy in Spanish? Can you I've done do both. all that? You've done both? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. At this last uh, Chamber of Comics, I did, I sang Hank Williams songs first. Um, I like uh, mm-hmm. Hank Williams the first a lot. Sure. And so, I just did some, you know, it was a bunch of white people in Buda at that show, particularly. And I just felt like, like that in that moment. So I don't plan what I'm gonna do, but I like doing all kinds of music. You know, I like roots music from anywhere and hip hop. And uh, there's one comedian I always work with named Ty Wen. He's my favorite local guy. He's Vietnamese and he writes these really funny rap songs. He just re- dropped one about Pflugerville. You should have interviewed him. His first week he had like 40,000 views immediately because it's a hilarious song about Pflugerville. Uh, anyway, so when I do a show with him, I'll play guitar or beatbox and he'll rap.
0: Hmm. Uh, You know. Um, All right, we'll come out. Is he going to be there on the second?
1: He's not going to be there that day, but I work with him a lot. I'll tell you when. I I had him at the last one and I, I need to keep it a variety going.
0: I need to come out more. And I've realized over time being in Austin for some time now, there was a time where maybe not you, but you tell somebody i'm going to do a show in Buta they'd say yeah, what are you doing in Buta for what but now if you really look at what's happening at the expansion of austin and what's happening a lot of the That's really south real austin. people no the real people live all along the perimeter yeah they live in the north they live out further east they live down south of austin south austin so and then beto martinez
1: of, from grupo fantasma lives yeah so Buda. many cool
0: things are happening in like deep south austin too right now yeah
1: it's not that far. Uh, no. It's uh, you know I don't know people move here from LA. They're not like, oh my god, how am I going to drive eleven minutes to Muta?
0: I can't lie, that's been me for a long time. Even living in Houston for so long, I'd be in Austin. Like, but I still I still say that uh, traffic hasn't gotten pre pandemic yet. It's bad it gets bad again. It's not like the you know, twenty twenty where you could just cruise in ten minutes somewhere it takes you a half hour. I'm really weird. It's not as
1: I don't bad know again. what the fuck everybody's talking about with this traffic in Austin. I've lived in Miami, New York, LA, maybe that's the problem. But the problem with people, in my opinion, every time I analyze who's saying all the traffic that there is, you live in Round Rock and work downtown at rush hour time. Of no, course that's, there's that's traffic. Impossible. That's everybody that says it, they're living that life where they're on the same highway as everybody else at the wrong time. It, like if you work on the, if you live on the east side and you just go against traffic at the right time, there is no traffic.
0: Well, you have to if, learn that. And Austin's not the easiest city to learn when yeah, it comes to finding the back roads it's and things. the, the highways. Those, no, the highways you have to learn to that's avoid. That's the problem. That's all.
1: But you just take the streets, it's really just regular. I mean, it depends what you have to do. Some people's communities is unavoidably awful. Mm-hmm. you know, but that's but that's one of the one of the millions of variables where I've decided to control what I do with my life so that I don't set up to do something all day that I hate.
0: exactly that's the goal. that's the move
1: that's everybody can do that slowly at some point. Everybody can eventually. Maybe some people don't make it, like MLK or something, but shit. Might as well try because you could fail at what you don't like to do. Most people do. They work, give themselves to a company for 20 years, and then they get stiffed and don't get the benefits or whatever, and they're fucked. That happens all the time. Or get fired after 17 years right before you're going to retire or whatever. Or the company went bankrupt or
2: mm-hmm. or uh
1: or your boss was Dick Cheney or something, you know what I mean? And you're just fucked, you know? So No, it's true. Why not? Just fail at what you love. Exactly. <laughs> just fail at the good shit.
0: Exactly. Man, the six, seven people that listen to this podcast, they're gonna love it, I'm telling you. I feel it. <laughs>
1: <Thank you. laughs> hey man. See, you just do what you do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter, uh the destination right for you your journey is to doing it you know yep and and, uh, it's so good I know it's gonna grow what you do you you do it slow and organic like that
0: that's the only way man that's the only way I know I definitely appreciate it man finally getting to sit down talk man definitely appreciate your time and look forward to everything you've got coming up and uh, if people want to get in touch and want to hear all these things where's the best place to find you online um or in yeah, real life K-
1: Kiko comedy on Instacrack or fa- mm-hmm. you know uh Kiko comedy but comedies with a K cuz in this crazy uh country and world I wanted KKK in my name Kiko comedy <laughs> that would be uh, ironic as fuck if you listen to my jokes That's but a you got to come you got to come to the show to know what I'm talking about
0: When's the record when's the Kiko comedy album you know
1: I'm I'm at a good 35 well-written minutes. Okay. And as soon as I, as soon as I put together an hour that is a real chunk, that's a thread that's Mm -hmm. right. Then I can record that out that, and then let those jokes go.
0: I mean, I love all the accessibility now and the Netflix specials are great. And it's, it's so cool. There's so many comedy podcasts people. There's so many ways to get this now, but there's, Still doesn't compare to back when you pick up a record, you know, like Cheech and Chong album, or Richard Pryor album, yeah. Steve Martin album. Like I well, still have all I, those records. I
1: plan on I plan on doing that next year. Great. I, I think I have about thirty five minutes of of good, solid, tight jokes. That's a that's a lot for a year and a half, mm-hmm. uh, for the, my first year and a half of writing. But um, but I'm I'm writing more and more exponentially because I'm doing it with discipline and stuff. So. Uh, I should have an hour in a couple of months but I when I have a good hour and a half I'll record an hour.
0: What's the longest you've been on stage for doing comedy?
1: Uh 30 uh 45 minutes. Oh really? Yeah, I did a good 45 minutes and, you know, I I would say that 10 minutes of that was off the top. and okay. 35 was written.
0: You're able to do that though, flow with the uh Oh yeah, with the, I got with I got and and here's
1: the thing. Being a musician that always told jokes in between songs, I've been doing crowd work my whole life. Mm-hmm. Crowd work is, is nothing. I, I know what's funny about everything. It's hard to keep it inside. What's funny about people, because people won't take it right all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be the right moment. The, sure? Sure. You know what I mean? I, I joke too much. I joke a lot. And so, that's why I feel like I need to get on stage and do it, so I can get out of my system instead of doing it at people all day. You know?
0: That's dope. Well, definitely good luck with everything, man. And, uh, I need to come out. We're going to come check it. At least in Buda. Uh Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah,
1: come out and,
0: uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll
1: be touring,
0: touring, uh, the country
1: and, and Columbia, November and October and September. I'm touring this country. We're doing comedy on the East Coast in general. And I'm playing the North Carolina Folk Festival with the Colombian music. And, um. And Colombia, I'm playing a, a festival, a Gaita festival, and then a Latino power show. Yeah, Dope. so I don't know, uh, Insta Instacrack or Facecrack or Tweaker. Twitch is already called that. So
0: yeah, have you messed with Twitch? No, <laughs> man.
1: They're just all bad drugs.
0: <laughs> man, it is. It's bad drugs because I actually quit social media for. I wish I could years. do that. Like how do you not promote things? I mean it was a pandemic. I was taking care of my mother I was and doing other things. I wasn't promoting things and uh now' I've, I started this podcast and I've got to be on you have it. and, to now. and it's really i feel it i've I've got to stop myself
1: i'm I have no willpower i If I'm on social media I mean now i have gotten so bored of it that i'm I don't really scroll anymore.
0: well, it's all ads,
1: but if I see likes, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's serotonin or whatever. I don't know the names of the chemicals in my brain, but Serotonin. is that the right one?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh shit. I got the right.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Cool. Yeah. Like it, it affects me like that, you know? And it's like, that's how, how stupid I feel like a little kid or something like with a, something on the refrigerator that my mom's proud of or some shit. Like what am I doing?
0: It's true. I like staying in touch with people though, but it's, uh, when I have to see a bunch of ads that I don't care about. Like Pironi's disease and things like this, <laughs> it's all Pironi's disease on my timeline. I don't know why. I've never talked about that before in my life.
1: Yeah, I just got too much shit to do, and yeah. it's it takes up so much of our time now. But it's it's most of the hustle now. So you, you, I have to do the TikTok to then make the reel to then do the thing for the numbers.
0: Well, all the comedians have podcasts. You may have to get one of these little machines.
1: You know, I, I i recorded ten episodes with Greg Gonzalez from Phantasma of a, a Cumbia podcast. It's called the Cumbia Podcast. We mm-hmm. haven't sold it to anybody, but the idea wasn't just to put it out, but to try to. We we recorded it with the format for NPR and stuff because it's a super very good nuanced uh, interviews of people all over the world that do cumbia. It's really it's, it's pretty cool, but and, but it wasn't in funny, English. In English, okay. and it, It's not funny. It's just like a super serious thing about that but i but i haven't done a just a comedy just talking shit podcast because another one who gives a fuck about another one of those podcasts i gotta have a good idea to do something mm-hmm. i'm not just gonna do it i don't just sing play take my guitar to do stand-up just because i'm a good singer i haven't had a good reason to do that yet so it gotta be because most people that do that are boring that a joke is over and three seconds and you're still singing for two more minutes the same joke i feel i find that boring as hell so i gotta have good reasons to do these things
0: but you like the Flugerville song that I shit could. is hilarious And <laughs> you know, but the thing is he's
1: got new jokes in all the verses Yep. and yeah his his thing worked he he made it's, it's different than like um some things have worked in history with music and like like uh monty python was really good at that mm-hmm. or um Andy Kaufman with the, the congas next to him and he like laughed and cried in rhythm and just turned it into music out of nowhere. That, that transcended kind of stuff in general. That's incredible. I, d- I did do this one beatbox thing that turned into a joke uh, in my stand-up. Because I, I love to beatbox. And it's the idea I thought in that moment was good. And it worked. It was a spontaneous thing. But uh, But for me to do I gotta, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be. Adam Sandler already did the piece of shit car. He already did the funny songs like that. So what do you, it's like being a, another carrot top or something. Like he, if they already don't that. Don't be that. If you if people already did that, then don't do that again. Do something else. You
0: know? Definitely. Well, man, I appreciate you. Appreciate your time. This has been yet another Podcast. Talk So Real, Matt Sinzala. Like I say, every time, tell a friend to tell a friend. That's the way we get this thing popping. I'm um, Talk So Realist on the Instacrack and the Twitter and the uh, not on Facebook. Still not on the Facebook. But <laughs> Instagram's Facebook enough.
1: Good on
2: you, man. Yeah. Thanks, Kiko. I love you in the face.
0: Love you, brother.